Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show! I'm Gabe. And I'm Jamie. Watched the debate last night? Yeah, some, some of it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of over them. <laughs> There's too many people on stage. There's not enough time to actually get into depth on like actual questions. There are too many people on stage. <sighs> yeah. So we're we're not making any no. uh, endorsements. We're not speaking on behalf of no. Narrow Pro-Choice Ohio either Just- as we do the Narrow Pro-Choice Ohio podcast. Um <laughs> But, you know, Tom Steyer raised some excellent points on climate change. Mm-hmm. And I think he'd be a terrific Secretary of the Interior. Sounds good. Bye. Get off the <laughs> stage, Tom. You, know? <laughs> you don't have any experience actually working in government. Mm-hmm. It's not working out to have our current president be somebody with no experience in government. It's time to thin the field of Democratic candidates. Yeah, and while I wasn't watching, I feel like there was he made some comment about like billionaires buying stuff, and like that man personally bought himself onto that stage, so it feels kind of like a little tone deaf too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. When when he's talking about you know billionaires shouldn't buy things, and earlier in the day we have uh, somebody who bought an ambassadorship yeah. by donating a million dollars to Trump's uh, inaugural and, mm-hmm. and and now is in the middle of this national scandal. Yeah, we need to get rich people out of government who've bought their way. Yes, in, you know. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, they need to thin the stage. There were um, some. Uh, good points, some good questions yes. asked from the all-female panel of moderators. Um, kind of sucks that you have to get an all-female panel of moderators before you get a question on paid family leave. But, you know, that's what happened, so we'll take yes. it. I mean, it was very awesome to have an all-female panel of moderators also. It, it was. Um, I'd, I would have liked to have heard more from Ashley Parker. I love Rachel Maddow, but I felt like it was just yeah. Rachel Maddow and Andrea Mitchell and then mm-hmm. two other journalists. Yeah, who um, yeah, were there for... Yeah. Uh, but so towards the end, always towards the end, yes. never at the beginning, they did <laughs> ask about abortion. Uh, Amy Klobuchar got the first question uh, and her answer was um, pretty straightforward um, talking about codifying... Roe entering the the principles of Roe versus Wade um, into you know passed into law by the legislature signed by the president. What do you think of that? I mean, it's definitely a good starting point, but Roe is the law of the land now. Yes, and lots and lots of people don't have access to abortion care. There's one clinic in many states, and a whole bunch of regulations that don't need to be there that are legal under Roe. So. It's a great starting point, but it is not the be all end all end point there for sure. Right. She gave a, you know, a fine answer yes. talking about mm. seven in 10 Americans yes. uh, support Roe and um, over 90% support funding for Planned Parenthood's preventive health services. So, you know, mm. 
a decent enough answer. Yes. Um, For the 30 seconds that she has to answer the question too, again, because there's not actually enough time to go in depth into these issues. And she was answering based on the frame of the question was, you know, what should we do about abortion? And so she was answering Mm -hmm. it directly. Uh, The next question on abortion went to Elizabeth Warren. Uh, The question was, you know, hey, there are anti-choice, anti-abortion Democrats, including one Southern governor. Do you think that anti-abortion elected officials should be welcome in the Democratic Party? Mm -hmm. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I think a really quick and easy answer to that question is absolutely not. This is a question of bodily autonomy and nobody gets to make that decision but the individual involved. But that was not quite the answer that was given. And it was interesting because she said a lot of good things. Yes. Like she talked about how um, abortion rights are human rights. And she actually kind of took the Klobuchar thing to the next level of even if abortion is illegal, rich people, white people will always be able to get it. It's low income people. It's people of color who suffer when restrictions are passed and bans are passed. So I appreciated that context of, you know, the abortion issue in general. It would have been nice to see a slightly stronger hell no on the, (laughs) is there a place for, I mean, the platform of the democratic party talks about repealing Hyde. The platform is very progressive. The platform excludes those people. Therefore, they don't have a part. They don't believe in the platform. How are they running for office? Right. You know, and this question comes up all the time. There are op-eds written about Uh it in the Washington Post and and many other papers. I don't see this discussion on other topics of, you know, is there room in the Democratic Party for climate change deniers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, are there room, (laughs) is there room in the Democratic Party uh, for anti-union people? No, because <laughs> could you imagine the union's response to a Democrat being on stage going, yeah, I think we could have that conversation. It it would not go well. <laughs> no. And, uh, and so like, it's just really shocking when, you know, when you think about all those other progressive things and how, how that would go over, you know, very badly, but you know, abortion rights activists are just supposed to kind of sit back and be like, yeah, it's fine. No, it's not fine. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, the next question went to Bernie who, uh, did not get, he was on the stage in the previous debate in October here in Ohio. Um, not everybody got a question on abortion during that one. He did get asked, um, his, the, the basic point of his response is that men need to be standing up Mm -hmm. and supporting women in this fight. This shouldn't be something that women are doing on their own. Um, I, you know, yeah, I, I coming in, uh, as, as the third person to be asked, the basics of protecting mm-hmm. abortion rights have already been answered. Speaking and saying, "Hey, men, let's let's step up." I thought that was good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all movements need allies. So yeah, the, you know, we need, you know, in this whole thing too, men do also have abortions. Um, so um, so yeah, I think we need everybody in this fight. Right. Yes. Yes. On on the transgender day of remembrance. Yes. Uh, here was some really gendered, yeah. <laughs> you know, language. <laughs> it uh, was. It was most definitely very gendered language, and unfortunately, that topic also didn't come up in the debate at all, which that's was right. very infuriating. Yes. 
Um, Cory Booker uh, finished off this section of questioning, um, and he tied in uh, issues of reproductive rights and attacks on reproductive rights related to voter disenfranchisement, especially how both of these areas are attacks by Republican leadership onto um, predominantly people of color. Um, you know, these are attacks uh, that um, are meant to put, uh, you know, restrictions mm -hmm. on, on black women. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, that was a, a nice bridge. And then he, he talked more about voter rights. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely linked. I think that, you know, when we look at it, people are constantly asking us, you know, if these polls are right, 70% of people think that abortions should be safely, well, and accessible in our state that like, why do we have these laws passing and everything else? And, you know, we quickly turn to gerrymandering and how bad our districts are drawn. But voter suppression is also a very big piece of that. Yes. You know, when people need IDs to vote, when it is nearly impossible to register to vote because you can't get to an office during certain hours to register to vote. Like, you know, all of these pieces of voter suppression really do impact how and who is able to vote. And it's certainly linked. Right. Cory Booker also had like the biggest slam line of the night. Uh, <laughs> I was I had actually just turned my television on to hear this. It was it was pretty darn fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden uh, had made some comments uh, on on how he does not quite support medical marijuana. It was definitely like an okay boomer kind of moment. Yeah. There. <laughs> and, and Booker said, "When I heard that, I thought you were high." Uh -huh, it was. <laughs> And the look, they actually had split screened it at that point. So you could see Biden's face as Booker said it. And that was even better. Like this kind of like smirky, ooh, I just got burned. <laughs> yeah. That's <Yeah. laughs> good. It was. Um, Senator Kamala Harris, uh, she did not get a question on this section, but uh, later in the debate, um, pointed out and uh, our national partner Nairobi Pro Choice America tweeted her quote um where uh, Senator Harris said black women are 3 to 4 times more mm -hmm. likely to die in connection with childbirth um black women make 64 cents on the dollar as compared to all women uh, who tragically make 80 cents on the dollar the way she phrased that was really yeah. kind of like that um so uh uh, Senator Harris brought up and, and actually mentioned by name the reproductive justice movement, um, which I, I think there's value in having candidates correctly recognize yes. the name of that movement and talk about its values. She did that there. Uh, that was a really good section. So Yeah, a really good section and really interesting, especially in Ohio. And we'll probably do this next week on the podcast. But Ohio, for the first time, just released maternal mortality numbers for the last five years. We've been silent on it because they've been so horrendous. They didn't want to publish them, I guess. Right. And that proved that like 54% of those maternal mortalities in Ohio were preventable during that time frame. So it's definitely an issue that needs to be discussed more. Right. Um, so, you know, these were some, some good points of a, a debate that otherwise it lasted was for two and a half hours. Yeah. Too long, too many people. Um, it was following the <laughs> all day of impeachment hearings. Like I, if you were like a serious news watcher and watched all that all day long yesterday, you definitely get a gold star. Cause I tuned in and out throughout the day and I'm exhausted by it all gold star you probably wanted a tequila shot instead yeah. <laughs> um, 
I mean, uh, I did have some bourbon in front of me at that point too. So <laughs> I'll take that. Um, so, uh, those were, those were kind of the highlights, uh, of, of the debate. One other question that came up was about paid family leave. Yes. Um, of course, candidates on stage in a democratic debate are in favor of paid family leave. Um, somewhere yesterday, earlier in the day where we also heard discussion of paid family <coughs> leave, um, was from Democrats in Ohio, uh, in the state house, um, the uh, minority leader of the Ohio House of Representatives, um, Representative Amelia Sykes, uh, yes. led her team from her House caucus to discuss um, a set of legislative priorities that they are um, putting forward kind of as a response to some garbage by the Republicans, mm -hmm. including paid family leave. We don't have that as a law here in Ohio. No. Um Hey, Jamie, do you think we should? <laughs> oh, heck yes. I think I'm allowed to say H-E-W. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, um, and yeah, and that was really, so the Ohio Dems, uh, Democratic House Caucus launched this Ohio Promise earlier this year during the budget fight to really put forward policies that fulfill what they call the Ohio promise that we're going to take care of our people, um, our families. And um, so they did a press conference on their family first section of that agenda yesterday. So yes, we started out talking with um, state representative Kristen Boggs talking about a bill that she and state representative um, Janine Boyd, who's out on maternity leave right now, actually <laughs> um, have presented to um, start a paid family leave program in the state of Ohio is definitely a first step. Um, it's an insurance program that employers and employees would pay into, but it would would provide some minimal amount of support to make sure that people can take the time off they need to have a baby, to adopt a baby, to take care of a sick loved one um, while they are, you know, dealing with a health crisis. And that's really, really critically important. The line that I loved the best out of that section of that press conference was when um, Rhett Boggs was actually talking about how men also benefit th from this because men do want to take time off too. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so, you know, this isn't just a maternity leave bill. It is a paid family leave bill so that everyone can take time off when these things happen in a family. It's not all just resting on the woman in the household. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that that's voter support across the board. It's just that there's a small number of people who don't, and they're <laughs> all donors to the Republican party. Yes. Um, and so that, that was the first question that they got was, you know, the, there's Republican majorities in both chambers of the legislature, you know, how are these bills going to move forward? And, you know, I, I think there is some reality that, mm -hmm. you know, the Democrats in either the house nor the Senate, they don't have a majority of votes, um, but they're not going to just give up and roll over. They're mm -hmm. continuing to move these issues forward. Um, so it's incredibly valuable that they, they mm -hmm. keep this as part of the discussion. Yeah. Uh, even if the bill's not going to pass next week. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and then that was actually probably the best line of the entire press conference was um, Amelia Sex's response to that, which was, and if they don't pass, we'll just introduce them in the next General Assembly, and maybe there'll be a different makeup of the General Assembly then. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah, the people support these, and they're going to support candidates who support these policies, and if Republicans don't get on board, they're going to start losing elections because of it. Right. Um, the other set of questions that they got was, <laughs> 
you know, uh, on the Republican priorities because we don't see, uh, we don't see Republican leadership standing there and saying, Hey, wouldn't it be great if everybody had paid family leave? You know, if you have a child, so party of family values doesn't believe in family values, Gabe. Apparently not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, uh, one it's even in the headline and the dispatch coverage, um, the headline is Democrats f- tout family-friendly bills versus GOP push for abortion ban. Yes. We've got another abortion ban bill. <laughs> of course we do, because, you know, as I've been saying recently, the Republican Party is kind of like the proverbial dog that, like, caught their tail. Right. That, like, they passed the six-week ban, but they still had to gin up their base and piss them off so that they vote for them, because abortion isn't really a policy proposal. It's a gin up your base proposal. So, yeah, so Keller and Hood introduced House Bill 413 last week. It is a total abortion ban that criminalizes not only the medical practitioner providing the abortion, but also the person getting the abortion as well. Um, Creates a new category of murder, basically, in our state code. Um, So imposes the same crime on abortion as it does murder in the state. So including life imprisonment without parole and the possibility of the death penalty. Which is an interesting push because, you know, this is, I mean, a high right to life statement was basically, you know, we're not behind this bill, but we support the idea idea behind it because we want all abortions to go away. It was nice of them to actually say the truth for once which they usually don't do. And this has been their goal the entire time is to ban all abortions, put people in jail and, you know, make the world, I don't know, really, really bad place, which they think is an ideal place. But um, what it really does, and we saw it with the six week ban too, it really distracts from all of the other stuff that we talk about every other week. And the fact that, you know, all of these anti-science bills about, moving ectopic pregnancies, which this bill also contains, by the way, it's part of the health exemption is that, is that you have to try stupid thing. I mean, there's so many, uh, both physicians and members of the media national Samantha mm-hmm. B did a segment. Yeah. On it. It's not a thing. You're well, making something up. And John Becker. And what we hear from people who had ectopic pregnancies is that this also gives this false hope idea. Yeah. You know, so many these people were people who got pregnant, wanted to be pregnant, and were crushed to hear that there was no way that this pregnancy was viable. And, and terrified it had to that be, their life is yes. at risk. So, you know, instead of saying, you know, this is how the world works and it sucks and we're sorry this is happening to people, we're saying there might be this mythical treatment out there that could save your pregnancy. Right that doesn't exist and gives false hope to these people that there might be something out there and, you know, could delay access to care and could delay things to the point where they are facing a life critical um, complication of pregnancy. So, so yeah, I mean, we're definitely following it. We're definitely tracking it, but um, it did get assigned to the criminal justice committee, which kind of makes sense because it is really a criminal justice bill. It's not really a health bill. Um, It's not health code. It's all criminal code, but We'll see. And that's what kind happens. of the point is is to is is to shift the discussion mm-hmm. on abortion yeah. from a healthcare frame to a criminal frame. It's to create confusion about the procedure with this 
you know, false idea that moving an ectopic pregnancy is a thing that doctors mm -hmm. can do, just like how we talked about it on our previous episode. Um, Peggy Laner, Senator Laner has mm -hmm. her abortion reversal bill. Yeah. That's not a thing that doctors do. It's no. not approved by the FDA, but they're putting that bill out there to create additional confusion, to stigmatize the procedure, but also make people not quite certain exactly what an abortion is mm -hmm. uh, or what it means to get one. Yeah, I mean, we see it with the bans, too, is that people think abortion, you know, the six-week ban passed and was signed into law. People think abortion is illegal in Ohio. Right. You know, so we're constantly having to, you know, put campaigns out there and everything else, reminding people that people can still get access to abortion through the 21st week of pregnancy in Ohio in our clinics. Abortion is still legal in our state. Right. They don't even need to pass these bills. No. But just by introducing them and getting headlines, they're... Uh, achieving their desired effect mm -hmm. of creating confusion and distrust and, you know, mm -hmm. uncertainty of, is this criminal? Yeah. No, it's not criminal. It's healthcare. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. House bill 413, yet another piece of garbage legislation that unfortunately, you know, just, just by having people report on it gets them mm -hmm. part of the way towards their goal. And it has 20 co-sponsors. That's one-fifth of the entire yeah. Ohio House of Representatives. Yeah. Thinks that people should be thrown in prison for the rest of their lives or face a death penalty for providing or getting an abortion. Yes. Great. Um, so that's not the only nasty bill in the legislature. Um, since our previous episode, there was uh, testimony from our side on House Bill 297. That's the tax credit, a kickback funded by uh, taxpayers mm -hmm. to benefit um, donors uh, to the fake women's health centers, crisis pregnancy yes. centers, CPCs, whatever you call mm -hmm. uh, If you donate $100 to your local CPC, this bill would give you back 50 bucks in cash yes. when you file your state taxes paid for by us, the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. First of its kind ever. There's no other tax credit like this. Like... How many other good things? I mean, we're talking about maternal mortality earlier. Like maybe we should give tax credits for donations to groups like Root and Birthing Beautiful Communities that actually help reduce black maternal and infant mortality in this state. But no, we're going to give it to these stupid fake women's health centers. So, so yeah, I testified against it. Sarah Enskeep from Urge testified against it. Um, Terry, who was on the last podcast, testified against it with, a, with, with my favorite line of the day, which was calling these fake women's health centers foxholes of fakery. <laughs> um, it did not go over well with the antis, which is always a badge of honor. Right. Um, and then two patient stories as well um, for people who did access abortion care, but ended up at the centers before um, they accessed abortion care and how that impacted how they, you know, made their decision and those kinds of things. So it right. was a really, I think it was a really good group of testimony against the bill it was weird because it was almost like the committee members had been told to not ask questions. None of the Republicans, I mean, Derek Maron looked like he was gonna like explode out of his seat during my testimony. Like he could like, he was shifting, he was getting up, he was so uncomfortable. And then there was no questions. Hmm. 
Jenna Pell was the same way. I could see her out of the corner of my eye, like doing the same thing. She was like angrily looking at her iPad and, you know, <laughs> but then there was no questions. So it was, it was a kind of strange committee hearing that like, there were really no questions posed to any of our people except for one of the patients. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I tell you what, we've got some, uh, we got some, some recordings of uh, the testimony. So let's start off with yours. Uh, here we'll play uh, Jamie Miracle testifying uh, on House Bill 297. It is completely ridiculous that legislators continue to create special funding mechanisms that divert state resources from real assistance for low-income Ohioans and fake fund these fake women's health centers instead. In 2017, the Health Policy Network of Ohio released a report on new approaches to reduce infant mortality and stated that housing stability and affordability identified as two of their key approaches. Time and time again, this legislature shows that it is obsessed with appeasing a political base to the detriment of Ohio's residents. Over and over again, you've ignored programs that work, like ROOT and Birthing Beautiful Communities, or programs to provide supporting housing services, pro pro programs proven to do exactly what you say you want to do, reduce disparities in health, and really start to address our infant and mortality, maternal mortality and morbidity crisis in the state. If this legislature wants to continue to do things so they can say they did things, pat yourself on the back, and placate political buddies, by all means, waste additional tax dollars funding these fake women's health centers through taxpayer-subsidized tax scheme laid out in this bill. But if this legislature really and truly wants to address infant and maternal mortality and the racial disparities in health that cause black women and babies to die at a much higher rate than white women and babies, which I do think is all of your priorities, then we must do things differently. We must look at the evidence. We need to look at what is working and we need to listen to people in these communities about what they need. Then and only then will we even begin to break down the systems in this country built over the last 400 years that has gotten us to the place we are today. Only then will we make, start to make progress. Next up, we have Sarah Inskeep. Um, she's the URGE Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity um, State Organizing Director here in Ohio. Okay. When a person has made the decision to have an abortion or to become a parent, they deserve information that is timely, comprehensive, medically accurate, and arms them with the knowledge about the full range of sexual and reproductive health care options. This includes abortion care. Now, this is the exact opposite of what crisis pregnancy centers do. Instead, they deploy tactics that not only confuse but falsely inform people about their pregnancies with the ultimate goal of delaying or pushing abortion care completely out of reach for people in Ohio. Fake healthcare clinics are largely unregulated and have been left to spread misinformation that is culturally incompetent, not inclusive, or comprehensive. Our young people, including our queer and trans, black and brown young people across the state and in underserved areas deserve better than this. Our people living in Ohio's counties that have some of the highest rates of infant mortality deserve better than this. The state of Ohio should not be aiding and participating in the dangerous misinformation campaigns in any way. And that includes through this tax credit incentive that is proposed under House Bill 297. Uh, and then the last one we're going to play for you is Reverend Terry Williams uh, speaking on behalf of the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. There are thousands of better, more effective, more ethical ways for this committee to decide to spend Ohio taxpayer dollars than by enshrining one immoral industry in a privileged place within the Ohio tax code. 
There are thousands of better, more effective, more ethical ways to accomplish the goal of supporting infants and new parents that don't require funding lies about medical science and reproductive health. There are thousands of better, more effective, more ethical ways to support sexuality education and pregnancy support that actually teaches comprehensive sexuality education and that doesn't just outright lie about abortion. Of those thousands of better, more effective, more ethical ways available to you as members of this committee, I pray you decide to at least take one of them and leave House Bill 297 where it belongs, on the cutting room floor where all useless paper and really bad ideas fall and fade. Please use some common sense and vote no on House Bill 297. All right. That's the show for today. We'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye.